I'm Kim Singletary. And I'm Rich Collins with Biz New Orleans Magazine. Welcome to Biz Talks. Each week, we reach beyond the pages of Biz New Orleans Magazine to bring you in-depth conversations with members of the business community. From the names everyone knows to the ones destined to make their mark, we'll dive into the top issues, best practices, successes, and failures of every industry that calls Southeast Louisiana home. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the podcast. Today's guest is Adam Anderson, chairman and CEO of T. Parker Host, a Virginia-based ship agency, stevedoring, and terminal operations company with a big presence along the lower Mississippi River. In 2018, Host purchased the shuttered facility that housed the former Avondale shipyard, and shortly, and shortly after, Anderson moved to New Orleans to oversee the redevelopment of the site. In 2021, the newly dubbed Avondale Global Gateway made its debut, and then only last week, Host announced that it plans to sell the site to the Port of South Louisiana in a deal worth about $455 million. Adam Anderson, welcome to the podcast. Hey, thanks for having me. Glad to be here. <laughs> I hope I did an accurate summary of the last four years there. Uh, yeah, no, it just summed up all the trials, tribulations, and adventures right there in those two sentences. But no, good, thanks good. so much. Yes, you're Look, right on point. Good deal. Good deal. Uh, in, in our most recent issue, you said your company's work, uh, the work of host is like putting on a wedding between ships and cargo. Uh, for those of us who don't really know the ins and outs of the maritime industry, can you just briefly explain what host does in general and then specifically here? Yeah, I mean, I think overall our roots are in the ship agency business, which we have offices from New York all the way to uh, Corpus Christi, Texas. But uh, a big presence on the river, we handle about 450 vessels a year in that group. And so the ship agent, the ships now aim for set of coordinates on the map, and the yeah. ship agent handles the uh, pilots and tugboats and terminals and Coast Guard and customs and everything soup to nuts to do all the logistics there, because obviously it's a foreign ship with a foreign captain who many times has, has no idea about all the intricacies of getting uh, in and out of the Mississippi River, which has its own navigational challenges uh, for sure. So that's uh, like putting on a wedding. In addition, we... Uh, uh, operate and own terminals where we're loading, unloading cargo there, um, uh, moving it, uh, loading under rail cars, operating warehouses, all all of that, uh, um, all of those things. So that's all uh, part of the puzzle. That's kind of our, that's all part of the puzzle. Yes, we're working everything maritime related, right? Uh, um, and especially focused since uh, 2018 on the river, right? We, we've we divested some of our East Coast assets, and really, I've relocated here, CFOs here, and. Uh, very focused on the Mississippi River, especially the Avenue Global Gateway. I was curious, what, what percentage of hosts' overall work each year is is based down here in the lower Mississippi? Do you even know? Yeah, I mean, I, I think we've gone from uh, in 2018, uh, you know, just from a payroll standpoint, our payroll is about $4 million in Louisiana. And now our payroll, I saw the number the other day, we're right at $30 million payroll in Louisiana, right? So, so it's moved from that aspect, it's moved from about 10% to, to, uh, uh, close to 70%, 65% of our overall payroll for the company. So that's just one measurement of it. Yeah. So we're over 50% of the firm is here. And I think asset wise value, you know, what Avondale brings to the table, right? We're probably at, at uh, about the same percentage wise, as far as the uh, enterprise value of the company here. So um, Louisiana and the river's extremely important to us. Understood. And now, could you briefly just describe how you joined this company and, and, and your experience there? Yeah, I mean, it's uh, I, I, I was uh, at left University of Richmond and was uh, uh, working on a horse farm and uh, got a job 
uh, there. They took a chance on me as a boarding agent um, there, which is the entry level uh, ship agent position, which means ship docked at two o'clock in the morning, Christmas day. You're there to meet it, to deal with the captain, to work through it. It's a 24 seven type operation. They said, uh, you know, give you, uh, they gave you four days off a month. Um, and uh, that's if uh, we had a full complement there. So it was a tremendous amount of on the job training. And this is the first air quote real job I've ever had. And I'm still here. So I went from boarding agent to a middle management to upper management to uh, purchasing the company from the family uh, uh, who founded it. So five years here and I've been the primary uh, shareholder, I guess, since 2017. So it's been, a, um, you know, it really has been adventure from uh, starting out in Virginia uh, to uh, to arriving here to talk to you. Yeah, well, congratulations on all that, uh, that those achievements. Uh, what, I'm just curious, you, you talk about being a ship agent or, or, or the company as an agent. When, when you're working on a particular job, who are you working for? Are you working for the, sh the, the person doing the shipping or the person ordering the goods? How does that work? Yeah, occasionally we, we, we uh, straddle that, but generally you're representing the ship operator, right? Okay. So the ship operator is uh, uh, hiring you to get his ship in and out of the port there. So, so you're working with all those different parties, the cargo interests, the terminals, the, okay. that long list I, I mentioned there, but the ship operator, so, so they will sit you know, because they don't have credit established here. So they'll send us what's called the port expenses. So in the Mississippi River, you know, sometimes it's upwards of $200,000. They send us and then we spend their money. You know, we have a fee attached to that, which is single digits, but uh, um, on hiring all the services and paying all the fees it takes to get a ship in and out of the, the port. Are you saying that it, it can cost up to $200,000 to get a ship in and out of the lower Mississippi? Oh, yes. Yes. Yeah. It, it's, it's, uh, the pilots do a fantastic job. It's really tricky and it's, uh, you know, it's fairly expensive compared to other ports, but it's, uh, it, it works. Um, you know, Virginia, Baltimore is probably in the 50 to $70,000 range. It's kind of, uh, but, but they don't have 200 miles of, uh, winding river like, uh, like we do here. Uh, interesting. And, and is, are the pilots, is that the biggest line item in that, in that, in that expense? Uh, no, I mean, I mean, the pilots are, uh, you know, I say the pilots earn every nickel, but the, yeah, the pilots are uh, um, definitely a large line item, but usually it's the port fees, the dock fees, those sort of things really add on to it uh, as well. The tugboats are another big one um, there, but uh, I think the largest line items, usually the terminal fees, the, 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 the warpage and dockage the vessel pays for, for uh, uh, coming into a facility here. Well, so, followed by the pilots, followed by the tugboats, as far as the three top expenses. Interesting. So you, because of the the line of work you do, you you can experience the lower Mississippi like a customer, basically. And so you and you can compare that to what it's like to go into Mobile or go into Houston. I assume. Yes. Yes. Of course. So very uh, accurate. And I'm sure there's ways in which you can say things that are flattering about us versus you know otherwise. But uh, I won't go too far into that. Uh, knowing the politics of the situation, but um, all right. So let's just get to the, the big news. Uh, well, the big news from a few years ago, what led host to, to purchase the Avondale site? I mean, here, this, this shuttered site considered by some to be obsolete. Uh, you know, I read a recent post from who's a former, uh, a former state Senator who, uh, you know, was grumbling online uh, last week after the news about the sale. And he was talking about uh, all the reasons why Avondale is obsolete. You guys obviously feel felt differently. Talk about, what you saw there and what you've uh, invested in that site. 
Well, I mean, we couldn't believe that Avondale uh, uh, was real, frankly, when I first visited it, that you had this water frontage there that had been used for a shipyard, but that was completely shuttered, that it had gone to, to that extent. And so uh, we knew, but part of our uh, agreement with uh, the seller at the time, Huntington Ingalls, that we couldn't put it back into a, a commercial shipbuilding use in any uh, 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 scale there. So we looked at the... the uh, the land behind it, not only the 230 acres that encompasses Avondale, but the couple thousand acres of the West Bank that's not developed. Um, it's one of the few areas there that, um, uh, you know, in a region that has that much land and has these highway and rail connections there. And so um, uh, we really went for it, right? It was it was a difficult acquisition process. There's a lot of uh, uh, unknowns when we uh, closed on it, but we thought, hey, this this facility, if done the right way, we can not only move cargo, but add value to the cargo and really uh, develop a uh, 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 new ecosystem, uh, economic clusters of uh, industry here on the West Bank, on the area surrounding Avondale that uh, ports tend to uh, um, uh, generate. And so that, that's really what we looked at there on a kind of three-step process um, uh, to uh, uh, move cargo, to add value to that cargo, and then have this ripple effect that spreads through um the uh entire region so so for us uh we we are have uh done step one right and that that's where we're at here as we enter this new partnership can you talk a little bit about uh the type of investments you've made on that site over the last three and a half three or four years yeah i mean it was it was a great site so when i say i can't believe it was real you know that it existed that it had docks that it had uh previously had a rail going into the site uh but the docks didn't work they had to all be totally re rehabbed and rebuilt the uh uh the uh rail had been totally removed and was completely obsolete so that had to all be rebuilt the site uh had been in commerce um since the uh early 20s and so you can imagine during that time the transformation from uh, uh, uh farmland to uh active shipyard especially in some of the 60s 70s uh there was a lot of cleanup to do frankly and so those were kind of our three main uh focal points there uh, um, uh, getting the docks working, getting the rail working and rehabbing the site. That's just the buildings, the, uh, uh, we've torn down a lot of obsolete stuff and we've, uh, done a tremendous amount of cleanup there, which we, um, in August received our NFA, no further action from the Louisiana Department of Environmental Quality, um, due to the good work we've done, uh, cleaning that up. So we, we've, uh, made a lot of, uh, big strides and, and put a tremendous amount of investment in getting that done. Well, congrats to bring it back to commerce. Yeah. And you talk about the added value. Does that mean having tenants on site that can either manufacture or process goods and then have access to all the logistics? Is that what, is that what that means? Yeah, that, that, that's, that's exactly right. I mean, I, I would, I would say that uh, um, the first two years we, our construction was delayed due to high river. And then we had our first vessel call in March of 2020 and then COVID hit right after that. Uh. So, so we were, you know, even pre-acquisition, like one of our big targets was the offshore oil and gas industry on having a pipe processing facility there. And we were in talks with a couple of the largest uh, pipe threaders and uh, processors in the world about the site. And then it kind of collapsed on us that, uh, well, even if I did bring a ship in here, you could unload it because your docks don't work and your logistics doesn't work. So then we had to kind of back up and, and follow more of a step-by-step -step approach. But you're exactly right. It's, uh, it's having that there. We, we've been in negotiations with the value-added food processor. Um, we are bringing through a lot of uh, cargos there that we, we have uh, a vision for 
transforming that to value add here in the next uh, uh, three to five years um, there. But yes, th that's that's exactly the vision for it. So first was just getting the logistics straight, getting the dock and rail working and, and having land that we could actually develop because until we uh, cleaned it up, it really wasn't uh, a buildable. Understood. Now, was the sale, was an, uh, an eventual sale always part of the plan? Is this, is this the, the vision as yeah. you got to this next step? No, our, our vision was to bring in an infrastructure partner, right? And so what that infrastructure partner looked like, whether it be, a, um, you know, we work with a, a multi-billion dollar family office who's invested in a lot of infrastructure. We, uh, um, you know, the Blackstone, Blackrock, Carlisle groups have invested in a lot of infrastructure. Um, and then really, uh, we didn't really consider the state an option until the Port of South Louisiana approached it. So it was, it was always, uh, um, we knew that we could, uh, you know, their background in maritime and logistics, get it over the first hump and put it back into commerce and that we would need an infrastructure partner to really uh, bring it to the full fruition and achieve its uh, uh, potential. Um, and, and we always envision staying on there as, as uh, you know, some sort of ownership or operator stake long-term with that, uh, with that infrastructure partner. So talk to me if, about how this deal can proceed. If everything goes swimmingly, how do you envision things, say, a, a year or two from now? Uh, what will the working relationship be like between the Port of South Louisiana and Host and, and you know, and actually Avondale itself? Yeah, I mean, I, I think, you know, one thing we really liked about when they approached us, is they really shared the vision of, of, uh, of value add and really uh, adding those jobs and uh, uh, platform here to uh, uh, really transform the facility versus just run it as a uh, uh, you know, a port. Um, so it would look like host is the operator. So we'd be offloading, loading ships and moving rail cars, dealing with customers there. But the uh, Port of South Louisiana as the owner would be uh, uh, taking the benefit of the revenues, uh, a lot of it generated by that cargo, and then really be able to reinvest those revenues into the property with a very long-term vision of, uh, um, of really uh, entering a renewable space of a uh, um, adding value. Um, and what they bring to the table is that infrastructure, that access to state and even federal dollars, as we see uh, uh, this um, uh, offshore wind, for instance, being played out on the East Coast now with uh, hundreds and hundreds of millions of dollars of both state and federal in Virginia and Maryland, and New Jersey and Rhode Island and Massachusetts there that, that they're able to access that uh, there. And, and they have a proven ability to manage large assets there. So that's really um, how we see that working, right? They are uh, the overall direction of the property, whether it leans towards renewables or offshore uh, pipe threading, um, they'll be steering that for the best interest of the, uh, the state and the economy. And we'll be um, performing the services that we've been doing for almost, you know, it's, it's our hundred year anniversary here at T. Parker Host, uh, 1923 to 2023, that we've been doing for about a hundred years. Can you talk a little bit about the, the politics of this I, you know, it, since the news came out the other day, uh, you know, I, I've heard lots of, I've had lots of off the record conversations with people who know a lot more about maritime than I do. And, um, right, right. Sure. And it's interesting because the conversations at, at, you know, at first I was getting, um, you know, wait, this is, this is, uh, this is Port of New Orleans jurisdiction and what's Port of South Louisiana doing? Uh, and, and then it kind of shifted to, um, all of the ports need to work together 
in coordination to be competing with Mobile and Houston, et cetera, et cetera. And so there really shouldn't be this, this type of, uh, you know, one South Louisiana state entity versus another. Um, what are you picking up at, at, in the center of, of all this? And what, what are your feelings on it? You seem like you've got a great, you know, demeanor. And so I, I imagine you're, you're pretty good about navigating all this. Yeah, I mean, listen, I, I think the, the different port authorities, I mean, we have operations in uh, the port of Baton Rouge. We're, we're doing about 8 million tons there. We've got a large facility that does about 9 million tons in the port of Plaquemine. So we're, we're working with all these different port authorities all the time. Uh, so, I mean, I, you know, I will say that uh, uh, the port of South Louisiana was the one that approached us about purchasing the facility. I think that it does... I think the uh, Port of New Orleans has a tremendous project there. They need to divert uh, or focus all their resources downriver, which would be tremendously exciting for the state. And I think the, the two operations would be synergistic, right? I mean, anything that happens on site at Avondale will generate more container traffic. You know, not everything that moves in and out of Avondale will be on a, uh, what we call tramp shipping. It'll, it'll be so, – so I think as the region uh, grows, I – feel strongly i was at the gno lunch the other day i thought michael heck put it pretty well on uh, uh working together as a region because this is the team right all those ports working together which has been uh something that may have not always been the case but i do think we have the opportunity and i think avondale can be an impetus uh for more cooperation between the ports it's been um uh you know i would love to take credit for having the vision to turn avondale to a port but the first time uh, they looked at that was uh, in 1899, right? You can look up the uh, uh, old news articles in 1899 about uh, uh, how the Port of New Orleans or how certain people felt about uh, Avondale uh, coming back into commerce in that way. And I think uh, 1899 to 2018, it was it uh, stayed that way. So, so from a macro standpoint, I think it only good things can kind of can come from this on working together. And sometimes issues like this force. Uh, groups to work together that maybe uh wouldn't have done so so right. we're happy to play a role and when we work with all the boards and we're excited to do it right and right and i and i do think that um anyone observing this situation would think yeah the more coordination the better as new orleans you know uh, invest to compete with uh neighboring neighboring ports to our east and west um i'm curious as you look at you know the 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 that lower river uh and the, the container terminal that's that's proposed for St. Bernard Parish and everything that's going to be happening over the next, say, five, 10 years. What do you think is the best use of the, the further upriver, you know, Avondale site? You know, you've got the two bridges and things. So there's obviously the bigger ships aren't going to get there. So like what what's what's the way you use that site to make the most logical sense for, for you know, for the economy? Yeah, I mean, I mean, I just briefly on it there, I think I think. Um... Uh, renewable energy and offshore wind is is that new economy that we don't really have a home for on the river, right? And and so I, as a private enterprise, am not going to invest, you know, or go after a large uh, federal grant to uh, to create this uh, uh, to transform Avondale to an offshore wind manufacturing hub, right? That's just outside our scope. I mean, infrastructure partner could do it, and the Port of South Louisiana could definitely do that uh, there. But I do think that when you look at the uh, existing docks supporting New Orleans that really follow. You know, right along the city, there's no land behind that, right? It, it's it's uh, there is lots of land behind the proposed St. Bernard facility and around that, and I think that'll be a, a, a great generator there for those container ships. So I think we, so I think Avondale really can play a role in that, and I think I think that those thousand acres around Avondale, you really can 
uh, create something very special that is uh, um, uh, that that doesn't that doesn't really exist in that uh, Lower River area. There, I mean, to rebuild Avondale to recreate it would be billions of dollars now to have those docks in place, right? right. And and uh, it's it's exciting. So that's that's how we that's how we look at uh, uh, what Avondale plays, especially. You look at the uh, container terminal that's on the um, obviously on the east bank. They're on the west bank, right? Having uh, the Union Pacific right there. I mean, a lot of our cargo is moving, believe it or not, to Mexico, Los Angeles, uh, Nevada, even Oregon, um, out by rail that would normally go to a west coast port or the port of Houston, right? That's where we've had most of our success there. But moving in bond uh, metals to Mexico. Uh, something I never, uh, you know, I didn't envision that, but but it's turned out to be a great logistics move. I'm glad you mentioned yeah. that because I, when I was working on some year-end wrap-up stories last month, I talked to someone who works for you and uh, we just had a conversation about how over the last year, the, the, you, you've been moving a lot of material through there and there's a decent chunk of these metals that were bound for the West Coast that instead come come up to uh, yes. the river, get put on rail and then sent back to the West Coast, right? Or sent back West. Yeah, it's it's pretty exciting. Yeah, and 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 then we you know we started with uh, doing some some zinc and some aluminum, and now we're we're taking uh, uh, our first steps on taking some steel, uh, um, you know, handling the ships uh, here, and then and then the ships are also going right from New Orleans over to Houston, and sometimes even to Mexico or the West Coast, and saying, all right, how much more can we get off here? How much more impact can we have here in this uh, greater New Orleans region? Uh, there using that rail connection moving out. You, Union Pacific has been phenomenal and really committed to uh, to growing that. They they love that move, right? They have these very congested trade lanes in LA Long Beach, which is the largest you know port complex in the United States, and uh, Houston Ship Channel is chock a block. So uh, this is a great uh, outlet for them. To be really uh, good for us. That's awesome. And I just a couple more quick questions. One, one, can you tell me a little bit yeah. about uh, James Martin and the Gulf Wind folks that are that are tenants over there right now? Yeah, I mean, I mean, they've been great tenants. I mean, they're in a small building there, and uh, their staff's been uh, uh, tripled. I think from uh, six to I don't know how many they have twenty some people now. But you know, they're they're working on some pretty exciting things, include blade manufacturing uh, there at Avondale, and we really want to support them. That's exactly the kind of project that uh, we look at going into that 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 this this partnership really supercharges it, right? Because because I've got. You know, we've got the short-term economics always staring us in the face of of Avondale and our and our investment, right? Uh, so that's that's what we're working through. But the state, uh, they can look at long-term with guys like James um, at what's going to happen not next year, or the next year, you know, two years from now, but what's going to happen over twenty years, thirty years, fifty years. And I think that uh, back to your earlier question about working together, having these fifty-year visions and hundred-year vision versus five-year vision is what's going to transform this river and really generate stuff. And that's what, you know, frankly has made Houston and Mobile two of the most successful developments there. They, they've, they're working on long, long-term vision versus uh, what, what's happening tomorrow. Right. Right. Uh, one other question. I, I read you, you have, uh, you have foreign trade zone storage on site and I read up a little mm-hmm. bit just now about what that means. Uh, can you explain what that means? And then how do, how does that get designated as such? <laughs> Uh, well, I mean, that, that's, that's a bit of a process, right? So all the ports and even some uh, 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 cities and regions um, can work with U.S. Customs to, uh, uh, to form a foreign trade zone area, right? And so ours is a port in New Orleans, and, and they've sponsored our foreign trade zone. And so basically, it's a little area on the property that uh, 
Uh, we've got a couple buildings dedicated uh, that are defined as foreign trade zones. So when you import, let's say, the, the aluminum we talked about, um, it's not subject to United States tariff yet. It goes into a, a foreign trade zone, which is kind of like the duty-free shop at the airport is a right. good example for it. So you have to you have to account for every single pound that goes in and out of there. And it's a very rigorous uh, process uh, documentation-wise. Um, it's kind of triplicate documentation for us. But for instance, the cargo that moves to Mexico, we offload it, it goes into the foreign trade zone. Um, so it stays in bond. It never, air quote, lands in the United States. And then it gets put on a, uh, uh, put inside a rail car. Uh, and that rail car moves in bond, which, which again is kind of like being in the airport there before you've cleared customs right. and moves all the way to Mexico. So it allows us to move cargo through the facility um, and use logistics there without uh, um, it officially entering the United States and being subject to uh, the duty and tariffs there. Understood. So Understood. Okay, three quick questions. Uh, one, you mentioned it's your 100th anniversary, hosts 100th anniversary. Uh, what kind of plans do you guys have to mark that? And to what do you attribute the longevity? Uh, you know, I think um, uh, those are good. I, I think we're, we're, we're in the process. I think we'll have a large event in New Orleans, one in New York, one probably in Virginia, and, and maybe some smaller events there. So I think we have a series of kind of celebrations with our employees in different operations and in places here i think there, there's a team and working with party planners on something i think in, in march or april <laughs> we're here locally so, so we're going to celebrate that uh you know the longevity i think has uh really been to um you know being willing to reinvent ourselves in the company right so you look at 100 years um uh the the uh, there wasn't uh even satellite communication right versus uh um the email now so so on on shipping you know, host role as far as uh, uh, shipping agents used to actually book cargo here. So in the river, for instance, the agent would be purchasing cotton and, and tobacco to load on the vessel that was coming in with uh, dry goods uh, there. So, so that role has changed. It's one of the oldest professions uh, uh, in the world. Um, and so you're constantly reinventing yourself. And now our guys have, you know, obviously apps and, and uh, iPhones that are doing complex data entry and keeping track of uh, key performance indicators on on vessels, overall uh, efficiency, loading and unloading cargo here, right? So, so I would attribute it to being uh, always uh, uh, being willing to reinvent ourselves to uh, meet what the market is in our space. Um, Understood. Been... I, know, I know you got to split. Let me just ask uh, last question. Uh, you came here to uh, oversee this whole project. Are you planning on uh, sticking around? Is, are, are you here in uh, the New Orleans area long term? Yeah. Yes. I mean, I mean, I will, I will be honest and say, I, at first when we were coming down, I thought, Hey, maybe we'll be down here for 18 months or two years. But, uh, uh my oldest graduated from Newman. Um, uh, my wife uh, loves the city. I love the city and the area and, and the people have really, uh, come around here. So I think we, we consider new Orleans home. Uh, we, we've lived uptown the last few years and are uh, starting a renovation there of the home that we own. And so, yeah, I think I think we're going to be here and part of this community for a very long time. We're not we're not going anywhere uh, as far as this uh, at Avondale. We're not going anywhere uh, locally. So it's it's been uh, it's been great to uh, to be a part of this and and long term to, to to have uh to have this end up in the hands of the state the, the gateway and then to have it be paid for by the existing revenues uh, versus uh, um, it is a real win all around. So we're excited about. It. Well, congratulations on all the success and all the prospects. Adam Anderson, thanks for being a guest on the podcast. All right. Thanks so much for having me. Take care.
Thanks for listening to another episode of Biz Talks. If you like what you hear each week, don't forget to rate us and leave a comment wherever you listen to your podcasts. And follow us on social media at Biz New Orleans. For more information or to contact us, please visit bizneworleans.com slash biztalks.